broadcasting before and probably after the rapture. It's the Drew Marshall Show. Many of you have been waiting for this moment here on the Drew Marshall Show, and it has arrived. And if y'all watch Duck Dynasty, then y'all may think you know everything there is to know about about the beloved Robertson family, and I promise not to say y'all ever again. Uh, But there's a lot more to this family, and uh, there's a new book out by the good called Duckman, Jace Robertson. It's uh, laugh out loud, funny, thoughtful, and raw in its honesty. At least that's what they told me to say about the book. (laughs) The book is called uh, Good Call, and in it you're going to find stories uh, about uh, Phil in his pre-Jesus days, when he hadn't learned uh, the kindness part of Christianity, or any other part for that matter. You're going to hear a story about uh, Jesus first thinking about God in a duck blind, roughhousing with his brothers in their uh, backyard football field, drawing blood. Of course, that's what brothers do. And Jesus' youthful musings about the similarities between women and fish. I think I need to stop the intro right there. Excuse me? <laughs> oh, man. How you doing, Drake? What the heck is that? Oh, here's what I do. You know, I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. I notice things in nature, and, you know, I try to apply them to, uh, you know, what's going on in my life. And uh, what I thought was uh, I run up on a school of bass, <laughs> and I realized that when I threw my lure out there that, all these other fish, once they saw a fish hit the lure, it just caused the fish to get into a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And I was catching so many that I was actually on a few casts because the bait I was using had two treble hooks. I would catch two at a time. And uh, I just got to thinking, I thought, you know, if I could create a frenzy with women in the same way, mm-hmm. I get a lot of them interested How'd that work for you? No, I started trying to date as many girls as possible in a short amount of period of time. And what I what I realized is the difference between, you know, fish and uh, and women is that, you know, fish don't have the ability to just slap you right across the face because you're dating <laughs> about three of them at one time. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, hey, hang on, hang on one second. Hey, good match, Ray. I'm at my son's... Uh, He's playing tennis in the, in, in the regionals, at, uh, and I didn't want to miss it. So I got two things going on at one time, but I had to tell him good match because they just lost. Oh, that's good. Good daddy. Good daddy. Yeah. Well, uh, they won the first one. They smoked them, but then this one they, they ran up on just, you know, some players. Players. Jace, I was invited by the guy who runs Boots and Hearts last year out to this thing. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big country music fan. Uh, but I went because I've, I've heard lots of good things. And Shannon McNeven, the guy who runs it, is a good guy. And uh, so, But the main thing, I decided to show up on the Sunday to this thing called Gospel Brunch because I, I heard there were a couple of uh, American dudes preaching. And I love making fun of American preachers. <laughs> and, and then when I got there, you told everyone what your dad, Phil, says about whiskers on women. You had me at whiskers on women. Well, what you know, the story, the backstory behind that is my dad always encouraged us when we were able to grow our facial hair out. I mean, well, to, when, with his words, you can't, you know, you don't grow a beard. It does that on its own. 
But and he would he used to you know go through this deal about look man I mean God made man to have hair grow out of his face it's a good thing because in the hunting world you know it keeps your face warm it's great camouflage and, and people it it discourages muggings you know because when people see you got a pretty good beard you know they just don't mess with you <laughs> but and then he would usually say you know and God made women to have smooth faces. But what happened was he would go around the country and do duck call seminars, and he'd run up on a, on a group of women in southeast Arkansas that made him amend his statement to us. And he, he would say, God made most women mm-hmm. to be smooth-faced. That's kind of a joke against Arkansas. Cool. But I'm not sure where he was, but uh, he saw that. So then he coined the phrase, whiskers on women, it's a bummer. But I added because my dad can be a little blunt and, uh, you know, not always the most articulate man in the world. Right. Uh, I added, it is a bummer, but it's not a deal breaker. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so I have ever since that's been my line. Whiskers on (laughs) whiskers on a woman. It ain't good, but it ain't a deal breaker. It ain't a deal breaker because the bottom line is, you know, it's the heart of a man or a matter or a woman that matters anyway. Yeah. And so, you know, beauty is, is subjective. And in our world, you know, the advertisement you see, I mean, that's just really not reasonable or realistic. Well, you know? I, I know you guys are world famous, but when you get really big over in Greece and you start going over there on speaking tours and stuff, you can use that line a lot over there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, look, you gotta have a you got to have a certain amount of character and boldness to look like I do and walk around in public, you know? Mm. So uh, it, it helps me realize that, you know, my spiritual quality, that, that's what I need to focus on. <laughs> but that is where the beards came from, where, you know, we would grow them out every year during duck season for years. And then we would all shave when we went on vacation. That's why all those pictures are out there, you know, on the Internet. You know, a lot of people, they were like, oh, Duck Dynasty's a fraud. Look, they didn't have beards. But I was like, those are our beach pictures from the last 25 years that it was a tradition that we've done until Duck Dynasty, because now we film year-round. Yeah. But uh, we well, would shave as a gift to our lovely wives. Well, that's and that's a nice gift, I think. And and, and also a gift to the beachgoers, because you don't. last thing you want to see is ZZ Top on the beach. Yeah, something about, well, the reason we first did that is because uh, they wouldn't let us play golf one day at a course we wanted to play, because <laughs> uh, we hadn't shaved. And uh, there was some other things, you know, they, didn't, they said no camouflage. I was like, no camouflage? I mean, the whole place is camouflage. There's trees, there's grass. I thought, if I can't have a beard and I can't wear camouflage, right. you know, I don't want to play on your stinky golf course. Yeah, well, then the next time you should have showed up in a Speedo. Yeah, well, you know, I was hot about it. Yeah. I mean, how can you say no camo? I mean, if you want to go run out in the woods and hide, it's, you know, perfect. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, listen, this book, good call, Dropping, as the kids say, on May 6th, Reflections on Faith, Family, and Foul. What I want to know is, what's fourth on the list? Uh, Fourth on the list, uh, maybe facial hair. Okay. Uh, Football, um, big sports guy. Uh Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, fun. Yeah. How about that? Uh, that that's that's good uh, alliteration there. You're keeping the I thought it might have been flagellation or something with all you guys hanging out with each other, right? So <laughs> Hey what, we have a good time, you know what I mean? You can't laugh at yourself. I mean Yeah. What 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 are we here for, you know? Exactly. It always bothers me when people say, you know, they break wind or something and they say, Well that's not funny or that 
No, that's fun. No, oh, it's oh, hilarious. Fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have problems with my faith. I really do. I struggle spiritually. But I know there's a God mm-hmm. because of farts. Well, I think it shows you that he has a sense of humor. Oh, that is supernaturally funny, I'm telling you right there. All right, listen, your dad baptized you. What the heck are we talking about? Your dad baptized you in the river when you were 14 years old, but you said you had you had a real tough childhood, you know, raised to be a survivor, shy, that kind of thing. Is that what you mean by yeah. tough childhood? You were shy? Well, no, my dad owned a bar, and he was an alcoholic, and he was a violent man, and uh, he had fights every night. And, uh, you know, we, the bar was, right beside where we live, which was an old broken-down trailer. And uh, so, you know, I'd go into the bar every night. And, you know, when you're a five-, six-year-old kid, and it wasn't like a nice bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. When there was bloodshed, gunshots. So, you know, I guess when you're a kid, you respond different ways when you're in a situation like that. And I was, you know, I was scared of my dad because every time I was around him, you know, he was mean as a snake. And uh, so I just became kind of a what I mean by survivor I learned that if I kept my mouth shut and stayed out of the way then you know people would leave me alone but the type of people that were that I was around were not very nice people so uh you know when my dad changed his life when I was about eight you know then of course that was right after he kicked us out of the house and my parents were separated for a while and uh Man. When he showed when he showed back up, he was a totally different person. And you know, but you know, you don't you don't realize this, so you 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 still don't trust him or whatever. And it, it probably took me that long, six years, I guess, to finally say, you know, this guy has changed. Hmm. But uh, so I was a little bit bitter about you know him him treating my mom so bad and uh, you know kicking us out of the house. And uh, so I, that's when I came to Christ. I realized that you know Christ forgives me, but this thing is reciprocal, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to embrace the forgiveness that Christ offers, I'm going to have to forgive my dad for being an idiot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, it's one thing to say that, but when you're, you know, when your dad is, you know, bringing pain to you and your mom, you're just, you get bitter. I mean, that's exactly. just what it is. Exactly. So, so I talk about that, you know, but I'll tell you this, I'm proud of my dad the last 40 years, you know, he's been, one of the greatest people, you know, I've ever been around. And, and to view him like that now is you just, it's hard to even go back and imagine because he totally changed his life, you know. Quit what? drinking, you know, quit dope smoking and all the things that he was doing that was causing all the, all the trouble was, uh, you know, it just went away. Well, when the at the beginning, when the TV people came down, as you guys like to call them, you heard a camera guy say, this is going to tear this family apart. So a couple of questions yeah. on that one. Why did he say that, do you think? And number two, has doing the show had any negative impact on, on the family? So why do you think he said that? Uh, I know why he said it now. I mean, at the time, I didn't. I know why he said it, because, you know, it's, it's a daily battle when you're doing a TV show, especially kind of a reality show of being yourself and doing what they recommend. And, uh, you know, in our case, we're fortunate that we can, you know, nobody tells us what to say or do, and uh, they can recommend things, and that's fine. Right. But, you know, we get to be ourselves, and I think he thought that just the withering barrage of a 40-crew TV crew, I mean, there's 40 of them, Man. you know, in our houses, and our 38, I think, is the exact number, but... You know, they're 
and, and they're, you know, they're, let's just say, you know, they're from parts of the country where it's a culture shock for them. <laughs> and so you have this, not only do they not understand our culture, you know, but we're very, you know, Christian-oriented people. And so when you have things that, that are against your you know, morals come up, you know, you have conflict. And uh, so I think maybe he was just thinking the whole process of just, because it is, uh, you know, it's kind of a circus-like atmosphere. Sure, but you've said in a number of interviews that, you know, we're not going to change. You know, we were successful before this. not about the money. It's not about oh, the yeah. glory and you know, all this kind of deal. Yeah. But come on, tell Jace, something about this, this show. You know, you just finished season five. Something about the show has got to have a negative impact. I know it's hard to believe, but... uh I think if you got it from this perspective, you'd understand our perspective is that I didn't want to do a TV show. I didn't want to be famous. You know, my brother Willie concocted this idea, and he came to the family and basically talked us into doing this. But since this is not what I wanted from the start, you know, as far as being famous, I I can't care nothing about that. I'm perfectly content going duck hunting, sitting on the couch watching, you know, football and spending time with my family. I mean, that's what I like to do. And so that's why it just hasn't really changed much. I mean, the only reason that I do it is because it gives me a platform to share my faith, which is the number one thing in my life. But other than that, I mean, every decision I've made up until the TV show has not to promote, you know, me financially. I mean, even Duck Commander, you know, uh, going to Willie, Willie taking over. My parents came to me first, but I said, I like building duck calls. I'm not a businessman. I don't want the business. And uh, I knew I was turning down the possibility of making a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I just, that's just not what I'm about. I'm a simple guy. But being the simple guy you are, man, everybody says that, you know, I, people say, Oh, uh, duck dynasty, duck dynasty. Jay. So I like him. I can relate to him. He's simple, laid back, you know, cause Canadians were, we kind of laid back like that mostly, but are you having any fun dealing with all the tree huggers down in LA? <laughs> well, you know, I've always said that trees don't need hugs. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I, actually, the crew, it took us a while to uh, kind of respect our backgrounds and cultures. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people on the crew now that I, I genuinely, uh, despite our differences, have a great relationship with. And, uh, you know, I feel like they're friends. That's good. So I, I, I think, you know, once people kind of, they have an idea of, of what you may be like, but once they're around you every day and, you know, they, and you know what's funny is after we do our dinner scenes where we pray, it's kind of the famous scene on our show. You ought to see those those crew descend on that dinner table when we're done <laughs> and get the leftovers. I mean, it's like a bunch of piranha. <laughs> but they don't have crawfish etouffee like that in L.A. Uh, so there's, so there's no one at the table going, where's the tofu? Or... Well, we had uh, one interesting story. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But... Uh, <laughs> We had a, a vegetarian who worked for the, work, you know, worked in the crew. And look, we don't have anything vegetarians, you know. If you want to eat this vegetable, that's more for me, you know, more for <laughs> team. But uh, I told her, I was like, we had duck gumbo, and I was like, I'm telling you, if you try this, I said, it's going to change your perspective. And she's like, no, 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 no. And she went in there, and she took a spoonful of that, and she ate it. And she said, oh, my goodness. 
she said, I'm forever changed. So she's a vegetarian, but she loves duck gumbo. Nice, nice. All right, listen, um, I'm sure that ever since the whole, oh, the duck guys are anti this or anti that or whatever, the whole thing, that whole thing blew up. Uh, Everybody and their mother, that's all they want to talk about with you. I'm sure they're, and I'm sure you guys are sick of talking about it. But, dude, my whole show is about talking to people about living messy lives yeah. with hopefully yeah. a real God in the middle of it, right? Yeah. So, so as much as I really don't, honestly, I don't want to get into this crap again with you. Let me just ask you one yeah. thing and say one thing, okay? I brought it up in the book, so I feel like now. It's, it's open season? It's open season. Okay, all right. So one thing I want to say is, having been part of a number of television productions and you know hundreds of interviews, I can pretty much guarantee that somebody in production decided to take some sound bites out of context. True? Uh, well, I mean, this was not you know the TV show. Who I don't know, even know how they make these interviews work. You know, you got to look at it from my perspective. We worked through a publicist that that works for the network, and they line up interviews, and you just go do them. Right, but I know it was in an interview, but somebody, wherever the interview, you know, whatever the outlet was, I'm sure that somebody yeah. in production made a call and said, I like that soundbite there, let's spin uh, this. No, I think it was even, I think it was a little worse than that. I think they showed up, in this case, with the agenda in mind. It oh. wasn't even taken out of context. It, really? it was, Yeah, it was right from the start. That I don't know what the motive was. You'll have to ask them. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, because I knew something was wrong when the first question, you know, the guy walked in. It was at my dad's house, which I wrote that in the book because I think that's important. You know, my dad has had, you know, thousands of people over and shared his hospitality and had Bible studies. And the guy walked in. He has foul language, dropping F-bombs. He first thing he said was he looked at me. He said, do you expect people you believe that you waited till you got married before you had sex <laughs> well i kind of looked around you know like is this the interview you know i mean it just kind of took me aback and so i didn't respond and uh then he asked my brother when's the last time he smoked marijuana and uh jeff said i don't think i want to be in this interview <laughs> you know it you know, it wasn't like he's been smoking marijuana. I don't know where that came from. You know, we were just kind of taken aback. Well, then he asked my dad what he thought about homosexuality. And uh, my dad didn't really answer the question. And that's not where all the controversy came from. It just, we all shut down. Yeah. And then my dad got his Bible out. And it basically was a couple-hour Bible study. <laughs> so this guy was asking questions. And we just sit there. We sat there and watched. And so at the two-hour mark, Everybody left, and I told the publicist, I was like, this this is not going to be good. Because even though I didn't think my dad said anything wrong, that's where your part's coming up about taking out of context. I just thought the only question he's asking about is abortion, homosexuality. He asked my dad about slavery. I just thought, what kind of article are we writing here? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. All right, well, okay, so the one the one thing i got to ask you, Jace, about that whole deal, right? What have you learned from the whole you guys are racist homophobes experience? Yeah, well, that was the only thing upsetting is, that, you know, it's one thing for a guy to ask, you know, Bible questions, and my dad, you know, answer them with the Bible. But, uh, you know, my family is, uh, when it came to race, you know, that, that, that made me mad because... Yeah. You know, I have, as, as a kid, you know, I, I was on the side of taking up for people who were made fun of or because of their skin color. And my dad's the most non-racial person I know. He's done 
so many things for different African-American people, you know, in our community, in our lives. Some of our best friends are African-Americans. I mean, one of my best men in my wedding was an African-American guy. And uh, so for them to even, I mean, I don't even know how to describe how much of a, that's not even out of context, that's out of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, what it came up was, when he asked my dad about slavery, which that was how it started. He said, what do you think about slavery? And my dad said, it was terrible. <laughs> but he said, well, did you ever see, you know, any blacks mistreated when you, in the sixties and seventies? And my dad said, Oh, I was with the blacks, me inside. There was two white people in the field, you know, many days. And, uh, you know, cause they were working in the cotton fields. Yeah, yeah. And so he was talking about singing together and, you know, his best friends. And for some, somehow that got into my dad didn't believe that, you know, blacks were mistreated or something. So uh, it, it was just sad because a lot of the media then started repeating the false accusation. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was upsetting. What's funny is one of my best friends, he, he's an African-American. He, he was the first guy I saw like two or three days later after all this broke out. He's like, Jace. Yeah, he's, man, I love you even though you're racist. <laughs> and, uh, but, man, we went up and... We hugged and and uh, it just got a little emotional. He got he got tears in his eyes and he thought, man, because this guy has an incredible story, you know, and it's been with my family for years. Hmm. And uh, he just said, you know, you're doing something right when people are persecuting you, and uh, it, it meant a lot to him. Well, okay, so you and Missy have some kids, Reed, Cole, and Mia, uh, the triple threat, yeah. so to speak. Yes. Yeah. 10-year-old Mia, she's been dealt a bit of a rough hand, right? As a matter of fact, the, the season yeah. finale had just passed, gave us all a little bit of insight into her life, right? And aside from not being able to eat Chick-fil-A strips for uh, three months, how's she doing after fifth surgery? Well, she's doing great. Uh, it's It was probably, uh, it's been the roughest surgery she's she's had to go through so far, but her recovery was way better. Not, you know, I think part of it's being older and, uh, you know, just... But when she had the surgeries when she was a baby, you know, it's just rough when you're having surgeries on a baby. It's just it's it's just tough. But now the communication has formed, you know, it's a little easier. But she'll have another one next year. So, you know, you can't get too excited about the successes. We try to stay even killed because there's a process. And the reason it's a process is because when you're, you know, your body's formed without tissue where it should be and you try to put it there, well, when you as you grow, it doesn't grow right. So you're having to constantly go in there and, you know, next time they'll have to break her jaw and move it up. And uh, this time they were uh, forming some gums. They took a bone graft from a hip and uh, made made her some gums. And uh, so, you know, it, it, it's been a tough journey, but she's one of the most resilient kids I've seen. I believe God's blessed her, you know, as a lot of kids that go through, through trouble with an extra measure of character. And, uh, what we did with starting the Mia Moo Foundation is we met so many families and so many kids who don't have the ability, you know, to get the care they need. And so we have just, I would say it's a full-scale ministry with people we're trying to help. And we said, you know, why don't we just start a foundation to help these kids? I mean, not only in America, you know, uh, but in foreign countries, you know, when kids are born like Mia, I mean, they die. I mean, that's, that's just the sad truth because they have to have some kind of corrective surgeries when they're babies so they can, you know, eat and breathe and, and talk. 
So that's what we're doing. Well, good, man. I, look, folks, the uh, website is miamu.org. That's M-I-A-M-O-O.org, miamu.org. By the way, also, you want to check out the song Angel Child, performed by uh, your woman. I think I said that right. Yep. She's uh, a world-class singer. It's awesome. Well, we had Cassie and Gary Chapman on a couple of weeks ago, and I guess uh, yeah. they worked on the song with y'all. And I keep saying yeah, y'all. That's just weird. Sorry. I'm rubbing off on you, man. It happens. Next <laughs> thing you know, you'll be eating, you know, things that look peculiar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Louisiana, our first question is, what is it? And the next question is, you reckon we can eat it? <laughs> well, check Dumbo was formed. Check out Jace's, uh, Jace's new book, Good Call. And, Jace, I guess, really, as long as everyone remembers the Alamo, you guys will be doing just fine. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to chat. Bye-bye. Jace on the Drew Marshall Show, the Duck Dynasty guys. Man, that is some kind of family. you got to check them out if you haven't already. Kind of dig that show. Didn't think I would. Totally do. Hey, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Hey, folks, I want to tell you about the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. You ready for this? For 1250, that's right, only $12.50, we'll mention your organization's name, website, and a brief description. Did you catch that? During each show, we'll read out your organization's name, website, and a brief description for only $12.50. Now, obviously, there's no point in doing that only once during a four-hour show, so we'll read your advertisement four times per show for an entire month, and each time we do it, it'll only cost you $12.50. It's kind of like putting an advertisement up on every church bulletin in the GTA, except you don't have to get permission from that grumpy old lady at the front desk. Now look, because there are limited spots available for our 1250 special, why don't you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250. Now sure, we're right in the middle of things here in the show, but if you call us right now, toll free on 877-JOY-1250, we'll take your name and number and call you back on Monday to sign up for the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. This is nuts. Are you sure we want to do this? How am I supposed to make any money?